0: Welcome, everybody. I'm David Irvin, and I'm a leadership development specialist and a best-selling author, and we want to welcome you to the Leaders Navigator podcast. What's uniquely special is that I'm doing this podcast together with my daughter, Haley, and I'm super excited about this opportunity to work jointly on this project that we are both so passionate about. And today, I am we are both of us just so thrilled, but my, me particularly, I'm so thrilled to have uh, Dr. Sarah Cloutier with us, who... Uh, well, I'm going to just give you a formal introduction here, Sarah. And I know that uh, you and I go way back. You I first I first met you. You came to a leadership development program I was doing out in Banff with some executives, and you came and we've really been good friends since. Although, you know, life, busy life gets in the way and we haven't seen each other for a bit. But I'm just so thrilled that you'd offer a contribution here. So Dr. Cliche helps Canada's top professionals take control of their health to feel great and excel in all aspects of their lives. Sarah is a medical doctor trained in both conventional and integrative medicine. She loves working closely with small number of clients to help each truly heal mind, body, and soul. I love that. Sarah enjoys living close to nature in the foothills of Alberta with her family, horses, and dogs. So Sarah, welcome. So good to have you here with us.
1: It's so good to be here. It's been so long since you and I have met.
0: It has. It has. Well, now listen, You have to tell us your story first, and then you can integrate. Uh, We've got a bunch of questions for you, but I just need to hear your, I'd love to hear your story. And then maybe you can tell us a little bit what integrative medicine is and how it's different from mainstream medicine. But how did you get into this whole work?
1: Yeah, so that's definitely a story. It's been a bit of a journey. Um, I started off doing rural family medicine in Ontario and sort of did all the things, busy family practice, palliative care, some eMERGE work. Um, and it sort of found the whole thing a bit overwhelming, you know, it was 10 minute visits often, um, never, never quite enough time to get into things as deeply as I wanted to with patients. Um, and I ended up looking for a different opportunity where I would have more time. And that, that brought me to Alberta, which was great. I worked for a clinic that was really prevention focused and that gave more time to spend with patients but I still ended up feeling like something was missing. Like people would come in sometimes and, you know, it was obvious that they weren't feeling well, they knew they weren't well, Um, but all their testing came back as normal. And it was just a a frustrating process to not really have anything else to offer people that you knew were struggling. Um, And then I, I ended up having to interface myself with the medical system a couple of times and also had a bit of a frustrating experience. Not really getting the answers I needed, ended up having to go to the States to get sort of different treatments and had such an amazing eye opening experience with that Um, and ended up learning that there were different training uh, opportunities available out there that would give me different tools to serve my patients so Ended up doing a year course um, in mind-body medicine, really learning how the brain affects the body, the body affects the mind, and how emotions and spirituality and all of that plays in. And um, I think that's about the time that I first met you is when I was in the middle of that training, and then did a fellowship, a fellowship out of San Diego in integrative medicine that's just given me so many more tools to help people and to help myself, actually. Just, you know, my own personal life and health has benefited so much from that training.
0: Well, I find it interesting because this whole podcast is called the Leader's Navigator podcast and oftentimes I get asked, well what are you actually navigating people to do? And it's really navigating them back to themselves and to their heart and to the to who they're meant to be in this life and to bring more fully that life of who they're meant to be. And I I just find it fascinating because I don't think you can really integrate all the aspects of yourself and really fully connect to yourself unless your health is in order until you've got energy. And so that's what in really intrigues me. I don't know, Haley, I haven't had a chance to talk to you today, but how I don't know how you're feeling about this whole notion of integrative medicine. And
2: yeah. how
0: does this relate to what your experience has been in working with doctors?
2: I think like, I would love like for, for what specifically specifically, is like for for in layman's terms, I guess, like what specifically is integrative medicine in terms of how it's, you know, different from mainstream medicine and and your approaches to the types of patients you serve and, um, you know, who, who's benefiting it most from integrative medicine and who's getting lost in the mainstream system. Like, I'd love to hear a bit more about that. Yeah. Um, so integrative medicine, it's interesting
1: because it's not well known in Canada. I've Um, never heard of it before. Yeah, there, there aren't many of us here doing this, this work there's, you know, functional medicine, which is a bit different and sort of natural and different things like that. But it is, it is quite common in the U S and in Europe as well. Many European countries, their system is just integrative by nature. Um, So what, what we do, what my training is, is to take in the best of multiple modalities, of, of medicine. So it's not to exclude conventional medicine because there's definitely a time and place for it um, and super appreciative of, you know, what conventional medicine can do for us, um, but there are limitations. So we also look at preventative medicine. So we use a lot of lifestyle techniques. So nutrition, physical activity, stress management, um, we bring in mind-body techniques. We also sometimes rely on other more traditional medical Practices things like Ayurveda or you know some Chinese medicine principles, but really when it comes down to it, the patient is at the center of this care. So, what a particular person's treatment approach looks like depends on what their goals are, what their values are. It's it's completely patient centered. Um, the other thing to note is we try really hard to always incorporate. Care that's evidence-based. So we want to we want to make sure that what we're doing is actually helpful, um, and we know it's not harmful. But what I love about it is, you know, one path might look perfect for one person, but it it might not align for another person at all. So there's different areas to choose from. The other thing that's I think a differentiating factor about integrative medicine is the re- the relationship between the patient and the practitioner really matters. And it's really part of that healing journey. So there needs to be trust. There needs to be you know, a level of transparency. Um, and we really try to journey with our patients towards healing. And of course this takes time. Um, so we end up spending a lot of time with our patients and we really try to get to the root cause of the symptom. So instead of sort of identifying a symptom like high blood pressure, for example, and you know, just prescribing a pill to bring that number down, we look at what is actually causing that high blood pressure. Oh, there's a kidney. <laughs> um, you know, so what is it for that particular person because 10 people with high blood pressure might have 10 different reasons for that high blood pressure. Um so it's really identifying those root causes and then healing them so that so that symptom goes away, the person feels better but also so other bigger issues don't develop down the road because the underlying causes were never addressed. Um,
0: who who are the patients that you actually serve, Sarah? Do you have a target market that you'd really that you that you really target if you will?
1: Yeah, I I work a lot with leaders um with professionals, with entrepreneurs. I've somehow sort of fallen into that that area. I love working with with these people. Um The other sort of defining characteristic, I guess, of the people I work with um, is that they're really invested in their health. They really want to get to the bottom of what's going on, and they're really motivated to sort of make the changes they need to ensure that they're well long-term.
0: Probably the the challenge in conventional medicine is that people come in just with an expectation, just fix this, fix this, Mm -hmm. I'm assuming. I know my brother was, as you know, was a doctor for 35 years. And so we had lots of conversations about this and there's this pressure. Well, give me a pill. I want it fixed because I want to get rid of the symptoms. And I I get that. I, I get how, you know, there's that sense of urgency, but what you're saying is you really want to work with people who want to get to understand why that problem is there to begin with.
1: Yeah, it doesn't work otherwise. Um, So we can, I mean, people often start feeling better really, really quickly when we do this work, but it takes a level of investment from people. I mean, I can't, I can't eat a certain diet for somebody, you know, I can't exercise. I can't do mindfulness work. I can't help people. I mean, I can help people, but I can't actually do the work to get them on the right path for themselves. So, um, so we work together. I stand beside people, but ultimately it's the person themselves. You know doing the work with my support Mm
2: -hmm.
1: if that makes sense
2: i really like how you know i've just we just literally had a mental health day with our, our high schoolers last week where we're just noticing so but in researching you know even ways of, of helping with mental health like it's it's all connected like you know what they yeah. eat and the fact that they can't just have you know a giant ice cream for lunch and a giant you know one liter thing of pop and call it a day and wonder why their focus is all off for the afternoon um right. or you know why they're you know not going bed until four in the morning and then they can't study for a test the next day it's all connected um so i guess how you know how like w- trying to get people to invest in themselves do you have any um, I guess how how do you go about in, uh, encouraging people to to invest in themselves when all they want is a quick fix right now? How do you actually encourage people to spend that time going inward and wanting to you know put themselves first and not commit to all of these other things and take a break from all those other things to focus on themselves? Um, yeah, yeah I, I guess you know how, is there there a, a strategy that you go about in terms of encouraging people to do that or? Well, I think, I mean,
1: I think a lot of the people that come to me already have an appreciation that there are underlying issues, you know, and they, they want somebody to go there with them. And they're not getting that necessarily from conventional medicine, which is what leads them to seek out different care. Um, so I guess there's a bit of a selection bias in, the, in some of the patients I see. The other thing, or the other the reason that a lot of people come is that they've seen so many doctors and they just haven't been able to get better. So. By that point, people tend to be quite motivated as well. I think, in general, when we're talking about things like you know high school students um, uh, or people who aren't necessarily at the point where they're ready to seek care from somebody like me, um, I try to do a lot of education. So I do things on social media. You know, I have a newsletter that's giving a lot of education because I think when people start to hear these things, you know, and they they start to understand that nothing is separate, your brain's not separate from your body, your body's not separate from your mind, how you live, what you do in your day, what you eat, your sleep is all connected. It just makes sense. Like very few people can sort of hear this stuff and say, no, that, that can't be true. And I think, I think the education piece is so important, especially when we're dealing with, with high school kids who are super vulnerable, you know, um, It's such a stressful time of life with hormonal changes, high stress, going to university like you were just talking, or or college like you were just talking about. So that's a very vulnerable time of life. Um, But I think if we can really do the education and teach people how these things can impact them and improve their performance and improve their chances of success, it becomes easier. And I also think sometimes it's like just getting people to implement one little thing, like the tiniest little thing. like you know just go to bed on time and see how a good night's sleep affects you the next day then it's a lot easier to get them on board because sometimes little changes can make massive differences
0: i i would find it a challenge working with high school students because within this area because you can get a lot you can get by with a lot of bad habits as a kid mm-hmm. you can get by with not eating well you know and you can think That this isn't the problem for me. I can eat whatever I want to eat, or I can go to bed whenever I want to go to bed. Uh, And these habits get developed, and then all of a sudden they catch up to you twenty years later, and you've you've already developed these bad habits. I don't know what thoughts you might have, but if you were to go in and and uh, work with a a group of high school students, what would you where would you possibly start? I like that notion of starting small, but Mm -hmm. I I just would be curious about that, Sarah.
1: I think that's a tough one because I think everybody thinks they're invincible when they're, you know, <laughs> in their teens and <laughs> <in> their 20s. <laughs> and I even think about just, you know, going through medical school and how we treated ourselves and what was just part of that process. Right. I'm like, oh, my God, like, how did we even learn? Um, but I, I think the thing is, we we get by, but we just don't know how good we could actually feel. We don't know how much better we could be doing. And I think an example I I get all the time is people say, well, I sleep six hours, I'm fine. That's like, you might feel fine, but like, what would you actually be capable of? How effective would you be? Um, You know, how much more productive um, if you actually slept eight hours a night? So in terms of high school kids, I think, I mean, I do... I do see a lot of mental health and I think a lot of them are really struggling and what I do find, and Haley, I'd love to know your thoughts on this, but kids these days are so insightful. Yeah. Like they're so smart. I don't feel like I was half as smart when I was in high school as some of these kids I'm seeing now. And, and I, I some of them, it's just like this unbelievably heightened understanding and and the ability to reason with them. So if you can really relate how some behaviors are affecting how they're feeling and the symptoms they're feeling. I, I feel like we see a lot of success there, but I'd love to know what your experience is.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I feel like their access to information um, for better and for worse is is great because they have access to, you know, so like, you know, this, this world of information that never has never existed up until this point in history. Um, but it can also mean too, that, you know, they're, they're accessing that information until four in the morning, <laughs> um, right. you know, or, or they're, they're not getting sleep or, um, you know, they see online that, you know, a, a crystal can help them pass the test and, you know, they might truly believe it. Right. And it might work well for them, but, you know, there's still a lot of that misinformation out there too. Um, and so like weeding through, you know, the, the truth from, from, you know, what, who's trying to sell you something online, I think is a huge thing, but you're absolutely right. Like they're, they definitely give me hope for the future generations, uh, you know, who's going to take over, um, just in terms of their, even their empathy and their, their desire to help people and, you know, to, to, you know, get out there and help and, and, and charities and, and everything like that too. It's really, it's really quite something. And just like their, their ability to talk about mental health, um, mm-hmm. And to recognize, you know, what, you know, all of these different issues and to, to work to actively fight the stigma is, is quite, it's quite inspiring. Yeah, I agree. Do what you are find... some of it? The... Oh, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, because stress, see, like I see it a lot with high schoolers, but they have told me too, that their parents are going through stress. And I see it a lot with my colleagues. And I mean, even I, you know, just was talking to a colleague who got yelled at at the gas station because she wasn't moving fast enough out yeah. of the uh, out of the lane um so do, do like why do you think we're so stressed and overwhelmed lately because there seems to be a lot of it everywhere i don't know if you're noticing that with your patients too but it just seems to be this general air of stress and overwhelm everywhere lately i mean i think the past couple of years has
1: has definitely heightened things but i think it's a bit of a pandemic in and of itself that predated covid um and i i mean i think it's probably really multifactorial but some of the big um, contributing issues that I see is that we're just not taught how to even name our emotions, let alone what to do with them, right? How to deal with them in healthy and productive ways. So I think often we're having all of these things build up inside us and we're not even sure what they are and we stuff them down and then it just sort of reaches a breaking point where things bubble over. Um, I think one of the other things is that stress and overwhelm and overwork and pushing ourselves to our max has just been so normalized in our culture to the point where we're often rewarded for it. We wear it as a badge of honor. Um, And what I see often with a lot of really high achieving, high functioning people that I work with is they don't even necessarily recognize that they're stressed because it's just become their baseline way of functioning. And they've functioned in that space probably since they're teenagers and you know that's allowed them probably to be really successful but at a point it becomes really maladaptive and starts to wear on your health so i think a lot of people are just walking around ready you know it's like that one little thing that'll just set them off like you taking your time in the gas and all of a sudden it's too much right
0: this is the main theme that you see in your patients. Is it, Sarah, related in some way to stress and overwhelm and just the demands on us?
1: It's really common, yeah. I'd say, you know, the most common issues that I see are, are stress, overscheduling, overwhelm, and then poor sleeping. Um, that's not necessarily what people come to me for. Um, oftentimes, these these underlying issues will lead to not being able to care for themselves in the way that they want, um, and then that compounded by stress and sleep will lead to things like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, high blood sugar. Um, and people will will come because they've had a new diagnosis and they want to get to the bottom of it before it turns into something even more serious. Um, or these things will manifest in hormonal issues, um, often around menopause too, where really high-functioning women will all of a sudden feel like they're losing their mind and have no idea why. Um, I see. I see that. Um, or people starting to struggle with their mental health or cognitive health and it affects their their performance at work or their family dynamics and then they really want to get to the bottom. But often the underlying
2: issues are are related to the stress and the overwhelm. You had mentioned um in in the questions that that we we discussed a little bit before about uh, an anchoring exercise to determine you know if if because I think a lot of people don't realize how stressed I think exactly like you said people don't realize how stressed and overwhelmed they are until they reach that breaking point. Um, and then all of a sudden you know they look at all the factors in their life and they're you know overwhelmed with it all. Um, but you know, how like how what is the like do you have an anchoring exercise that can help the the listeners? um determine yeah. if you're actually stressed <laughs> it's super simple but this is something I like to do
1: myself regularly because it's super easy just to get you know drawn into the day-to-day and, and not be checking in right and not mm. being aware of what's going on inside you until all of a sudden you know you're crying in your coffee at the gas <laughs> station and you don't know yeah. why yeah. um So what I'd love is if your, if your listeners have a pen or even they can just do it in their heads, I'd love for them to rate, you know, on a scale of, Oh, you've got a pen, Perfect. Got one. I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) You're ready. On a scale of zero to 10 with zero being, you know, none and 10 being the highest ever. How overwhelmed over, you know, scheduled or maxed out do you feel? And that might show up as the sense of constant urgency, the sense of always feeling the need to do something, you know, to cross something else off on your to-do list or just rushing from place to place, not having a moment to sit until you hit the bed, you know, you hit bed at night. So on a scale of zero to 10, how maxed out do you feel?
0: There's a sense of, with that, that I'm interpreting my score to be is this sense of how difficult it is to do nothing, that I yeah. always have something to do on my to do list, that I always have something to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And I know we've got some space coming up, and I got some books in the mail today, and I just want to relax over the holidays and catch up on my reading. But I know when I do that, I look forward to that. But I know there's going to be an adjustment to that because there's a sense of oh, I have to achieve, I have to accomplish something. So this tape that runs in my mind, I think that's how I'm interpreting at least what you're asking me to assess is how that that's how I would look at how stressed I am. Is just this need for I I got to do something next.
2: Mm-hmm. I think that's a great way to look at it. And even Dad, I'm, I'm going to tease you for a minute too. But even when you're catching up on your reading, how often do you just read something for enjoyment and that isn't right. work related? <laughs> it's a great how do you point. feel about uh, How do you feel about novels, Dad?
0: <laughs> this is this is very prevalent today.
2: With well, <laughs> yeah. I'll just
0: speak for myself. I'm caught up in it
2: mm-hmm. and get
0: very emotional about this. I'm very caught up in the world's expectations and always achieving something and being productive. It's very hard for me, even now. It's very calming, Sarah, frankly, to hear your voice. And because I start to recognize that it's actually possible to create some space and relax more in my life.
1: That's good. It's not easy. And, you know, I don't think we're programmed to do that. And I, I think it can take a lot of work and unprogramming to get there. And a lot you're, of people but you, are dealing with
0: this. You remind me of that today. Just these last few months, getting back in person, I've been traveling more,
1: mm.
0: and uh, and I've I've been caught. You've just helped me realize this moment. And Haley, you're, uh, you you uh, are a good uh, poop detector here too. So, <laughs> so but, but I realize I've been caught in this treadmill of production and doing and here i am teaching about being authentic you can't do authentic you have to be um and i just find it very fascinating so i'm very i'm very calm so I, I i digress from your exercise here so here i am reflecting on a scale of 1 to 10 how overwhelmed i am it's a great question to start with and my first reaction is i was so i was a little bit so overwhelmed i didn't even know how overwhelmed i was because you have to step back and ref- and have the habit of reflecting on just where you're at. I'll bet you people, I know I have been angry like that person at the, at the gas station. And when I'm in that state, I don't even know that I'm in that state because I'm just caught in it. So you're helping us step back and actually observe our life.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think that's a big part of it. It's the observation is so important because we're not our thoughts right like thoughts are chemical reactions that are happening in our head and we get to choose how we respond to them but unless we create that spaciousness for observation it's really hard to untangle ourselves from that
2: I like that that framing of it that thoughts are just chemical reactions and we can you know gives us autonomy over it again because I've had a lot of students who have said um you know they say, well, I can't help it. That's just how I feel. I can't help it. Um, And it's, it's that complete resigning autonomy over to, you know, it's just that, that just, you know, it's not my fault. I'm just anxious. I can't, I can't do anything about it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's, I don't know, in in my opinion, I think that's a little bit, you know, it's, it's not giving yourself enough credit for, for the power that you can have over that.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think we can all have emotions that we might not like and, you know, we might not have a lot of control over the emotion themselves mm. or itself, mm. but we have a lot of control over how we think about it and how we react. And, you know, if we're able to observe our emotions and sit with the discomfort because sometimes they're not comfortable, they will pass. But I think that's a skill that we're not, we're not taught. Most of us aren't even aware, you know, aren't even aware of. So um, yeah, the second part of the, the little grounding exercise is just how stressed do you feel on a day-to-day basis. And how does that show up? So for some people, you know they can they feel tense. They feel like they're sort of always having to do something. Some people will feel a lot of pressure in their chest or palpitations. Other people feel a knot in their stomach, um or just thoughts racing. That's a really, really common one. But on a scale to one or zero to ten, how stressed do you feel? And then the third one is how tired do you feel? Mm. Where's your energy? And so like David, I, I can totally get caught up in this too and just lose track. So I think even for me, this is such an important thing to, to just come back to and reframe and you know, how do I actually feel? And then where, where can I course correct?
2: Sarah you own your own business. I mean just like, you know, just going along the same lines of that, right? Like owning your own business, I can only imagine is a lot of work and um you know, even that 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 product productivity culture of go 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 go, go and work harder and work harder. Um you know, have you had to experience this yourself too and in terms of of how do you personally stay grounded too when you're when you're you're an entrepreneur yourself?
1: Yeah, oh my gosh. Yes hundred percent. So, I mean, we, gosh, the past year and a half has sort of been crazy for us. So we, I finished, I was pregnant. I finished this fellowship, broke board exams. I guess that was a little, that was almost two years ago. We moved out to an acreage, moved our horses home, had a baby, launched businesses, both of us. I still worked in a practice. So yeah, there was, there have been multiple times over the past year where I have sort of lost myself in this process and had to really check in and do this exercise on my own mm-hmm. and then, and reevaluate and say, okay, where, where have I gone off track here? What is really important to us? Why am I doing this work? You know, it's how fulfilled am I? Because if my cup is empty, I can't be there for mm-hmm. the people that I serve. Um, so it's been a lot of checking in, it's been a lot of reevaluating, it's, you know, a lot of looking at systems to see what I can put in place to make things easier and more efficient and what should I be doing versus somebody else. Um, and then also just giving myself grace, you know, in, in the fact that this is really a learning experience and um, I'm not always gonna get it right and it's okay to sort of go back and change things. and. And stay in alignment that way, and come back to the practices that I know are really important to keep me grounded
0: where Where would you start? Um, I, I have two questions. Um, how, first of all, how do you know what tired is? Like, like, is it physical tired? Is it mental tired? Am I taking on too much? Am I not getting enough sleep? Um, am I, do I have too many expectations of myself? How do you know what tired is? How do I know what overwhelm is? And how would I measure that? How would I even know that? So those are, how would I know that I'm stressed? And I, you alluded to it a little bit about some of the indicators, but I would love to know how you listen to yourself to answer those questions. And then secondly, what where would you start for our listeners? Um, I love this sleep study, the sleep exercise that you've given us, and we'll make it available on our, on our website and on our web, on our podcast so that people can access that. It's very gracious of you to give this complimentary assessment. I mean, you can talk, it's a sleep guide for better sleep yeah. hygiene. You can describe a little bit more what it is, but how do you begin to even connect with yourself enough, Sarah, to know the answers to these questions? Because this is ultimately where it has to start.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, I think everybody, you know, that, that question, what is tired, what is overwhelmed? I think that probably looks different for everybody. Um, but I think the first step is really developing some sort of spaciousness in your day where you can check in. Um, a lot of the time we get up running in the morning and we don't stop until we go to bed. So there's no opportunity to check in with ourselves. Um, so whether that's setting your alarm five minutes earlier to do a few minutes of breathing or journaling or meditation or just resting and doing a body scan, I think is really helpful. Um, and if you're somebody who's dragging yourself out of bed every morning, then that's probably your first clue that maybe your energy isn't quite where it needs to be. Um, if you're finding that you need to caffeinate throughout the day, constantly just exactly get <laughs> through your day so my AirPods pods keep falling out. Um, and that's probably another sign for other people. It really shows up in physical symptoms. So, you know, are you having palpitations? That's a really common one. What's your gut doing? We have more serotonin receptors in our gut than our brain. So those, you know, those feel good hormones. So oftentimes for many people, their gut will react before they're actually mentally aware that something is going on. Um, another big one is sleep. Um, sleep is so so important so this is why I developed the sleep guide because sleep is probably you know the foundational pillar of good health good sleep has been or poor sleep in terms of quality and quantity has been linked to almost every single chronic disease that we struggle with in North America Um, it increases death from all causes it increases mental health issues suicide and suicide completion it's a huge deal and so so many of us Gyp ourselves on proper sleep. But stress for many men and people first shows up in not being able to fall asleep or stay asleep. And many people will find themselves waking up between one and three in the morning, you know with their mind racing and they can't go back to sleep. So that's you know it's starting to pay attention to these things and and see how you can relate them back to your life. Consomnia is often not just something that happens to you. There's a reason, right? So so what are those reasons? But as always, I think the first step is just building a little bit of time in your day for yourself to start paying attention and checking in. I love that. I don't know if I answered all of your questions. Oh
0: yeah, I threw a bunch at you, and yeah, (laughs) it's been very helpful. Yeah, you bet.
2: Um, In terms of sleep, I can know you have your wonderful sleep guide. Um, I think a, a common one I get with with teenagers, but also you know, you too, dad, <laughs> um, dad is not, I'm I'm totally throwing you under the bus again, dad. This is my favorite part of the podcast, um, <laughs> but he, uh, he, he, you are not known for getting a lot of sleep, dad. Um, so I guess um, how do you go from like not getting enough sleep, recognizing you need sleep to actually getting more sleep? What is something practical uh, you can do to actually help yourself, you know, fall asleep, stay asleep, uh, once you've recognized the need and how important it is to, to actually sleep.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, there's tons of little tricks in the sleep hygiene PDF. So if people are interested. I definitely encourage them to look at it, but our, our sleep, it's really interesting because we think our sleep is just about the night, but it's it's really not like how well we sleep starts with as soon as we wake up in the morning. Hmm. And, and we really need to be thinking about optimizing it throughout the day. Um, so, you know, if we wake up to pressing our alarm, you know, snooze button three times, and we're rushing in that and we start our day in a stress response, we're likely going to continue our day in a stress response. Um, coffee is such a, a big one in our culture. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of us are tired. So we tend to overcaffeinate, and coffee can last anywhere from six to 10 hours in our system, which I think is mind blowing for some people, but especially for women it can stay in our system up to 10 hours. So if you're having that coffee after lunch, it can definitely affect your sleep at night. That's a really, really big one. I see Um, alcohol is another one. So drinking, you know, a few hours before bed is really common because I think it gives people a nice sense of relaxation and it actually helps people fall asleep more easily, but it destroys your sleep architecture. So you're not going to have that deep sleep that you really need to restore yourself and also to consolidate memories and learning um so really changing the relationship with alcohol can be a big one and then the other one which you know i was going to say is probably a big thing for teenagers but to be honest i think it's a big thing for all of us is screen time mm-hmm. so that blue light actually tricks our brain into thinking it's daytime so so the way our sort of mm-hmm. melatonin and our sleep cycle works is We rely on bright light to be filtered through our eyes during the day to help us wake up. And then we require dimming lights in the evening to help us settle. And so when we're on our devices, you know, in the hours leading up to bed, that messes up the whole system and we're not getting those normal hormone production um, releases that we need to help us fall asleep. So that's a really, really big one um, that can be really effective is just getting off devices and dimming the lights an hour before bed which is hard because yeah. we're all glued to our phones, right? Well,
0: I, I find this, you talk about integrated medicine and it's really an integrated life because I can, I can see how everything that you've talked about for your health can be applied to authenticity. So what I say is create some space in your life to reflect on what's really important to you. Create some space in your day to listen to your inner voice, to connect with your, what I call your authentic self. Because when you're so busy reacting to the demands of the world through, through screen time, through our news media, through social media, all of which are good tools, but if we get consumed by what people want from us, we lose our own voice. And it's the mm-hmm. very same process for getting healthy, for being healthy is to attune to our own body and attune to our mm-hmm. own well-being. And our body is a masterful tool at guiding you to yourself. To your totally. true self, so I, 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 I could, I, I know I could spend all afternoon. We could spend all day in in this conversation. What what thoughts do you have around that, Sarah?
1: Well, I don't know if you remember the first time you and I ever spoke. It was because I had listened to you speaking, and I came up to you after your talk and said, "I don't know if you realize this, but you're saving lives." and you were like what are you talking about <laughs> and i said you're not only helping people with their businesses you're helping people with their health so i i completely agree so much of this process is how you actually live your life i mean health is not created in a physician's office you know we can help and guide you and but but really what you do every day how you live your life how you think um how you are in relation to other people these are the things that really really matter so I, I mean, I've always felt like our work really aligns. It's really parallel.
0: hundred percent. It does. And I'm very inspired today. I am going to be very attentive to my sleep. And uh, <laughs> I know for me that waking up in the middle of the night and my mind just go- goes and I, you know, I'm so, it, it, and it's something I've struggled with really all my life is just the sense of oh, I have to do something and I've got to push this. And I'm really inspired today by working with developing better sleep habits and giving myself permission. I think it's a badge of honor that we brag about how little sleep we can function on. That That's the culture I was raised in. And yeah. I, I think, we, you know, and to give myself permission to say, oh, I, I, it's okay to get more sleep. It's just like, it's okay to take time to meditate. It's okay to take time to be still because I have I have been raised in a culture that says sleep is a waste of time. You know, you could be, you know, uh, you could be really productive if you didn't sleep so much and you could get up early when no one's disturbing you and you can get up early and get a lot of work done. And I I know that I have to fight against or I'm certainly aware of that voice.
1: It's so interesting. I was just listening to a, a podcast the other day with a sleep expert. And um, he said, you know, if that were the case, because so many of us believe that, and I think the stat is most North Americans get six hours a night. But he said, you know, if sleep wasn't essential, do you think that evolution would have built it in? Like, do you think evolution would have created this thing called, you know, an eight hour s- sleep night? that is necessary where we're not, you know, we weren't foraging for food, we weren't mating, we weren't, you know, doing all these things that we need for survival. And actually we're, we're quite at risk from predators while we were sleeping in our prehistoric days. Why would evolution have built that in if it wasn't absolutely fundamental for our health? And I was like, yeah, that's no true. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Right. But, but we've sort of grown up in this culture that says, well, you're weak if you need to sleep. And it's like, no, there's really, really important things that happen while we're sleeping that can't happen while we're awake. Um, So, so it's not weak. And I'm, I'm pretty crazy about my sleep. It's been hard over the past year with a a baby. Um, But it's not just because I want to practice what I preach. It's like, once you understand how important it is, it's sort of a selfish thing. Like I I want to, it's a self-preservation thing. You know, I want to be well for as long as I can. And I want to try to live as long as possible. So, in order to do that, sleep is such a priority. But, but the really cool thing is, some of the research shows that it doesn't matter when you fix your sleep; you're still going to reap benefits from it. But
0: it comes, whatever metaphor you want to use. But it, it still comes back even to that metaphor of sharpening the saw, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you, you can say, well, I'm so busy, I don't have time to sharpen the saw. I'm so busy sawing. Well, you know, you have to stop <laughs> and sharpen this mm-hmm. instrument that called our body that we're using here. And we've got to pay attention and take care of it. And that's the message that I'm yeah. reminded of today.
1: Mm-hmm. That's such a great metaphor. I've never heard that, but it completely makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, this is very nourishing. It's it's yeah. your your voice and your presence is very calming. Mm-hmm. Sarah, that's, that's what I'm mostly getting out of this. And you inspire us all. I'll speak on behalf of all of our listeners. Mm -hmm. to just slow down and pay attention. And it's, it's very calming for me.
2: And to recognize too, that everything in your, like your mind and body are, are related. We're one organic being, you know, and, and all of our Mm -hmm. systems are related to each other. And, um, you know, it's, that's what it means to be a, 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 a being with, with, you know, um, a holistic being, right? As, as there's all these different systems at work and to not ignore one, one system because it's all connected. Um, such a good reminder. Yeah, you've got it. Everything affects everything.
1: We don't have systems in isolation in our body. Exactly.
0: And if we improve a, one area in our lives, it'll improve us all, our area, all the areas. That's what I'm interpreting integrative medicine. Everything impacts everything.
1: Totally. Yeah. And that's the thing, like people will usually come with one particular concern and in addressing it and actually getting to the root causes and and reversing those and allowing the body to return to balance. Often all of the symptoms go away, you know, even though they weren't at the forefront of the person's, you know, they came with one reason, but it's like everything gets better when we address the whole.
0: Sarah, how can people reach you?
1: Um, well, I've got a website. So it's uh, Um I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. I like to give lots of information there. I have a newsletter, too, if people are interested, where I give tips twice a month. So they're welcome to join, join that. Um, and if they're interested in booking a call to learn more about what I do or how to work together, then um, I think there's a, I sent you a link they can Book right into my calendar. It's connectwithdrsarah.com.
0: We will put all that <laughs> on our list. Yeah. I was
2: going to say in the website and in the bio of the podcast for sure. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. I learned a lot too. I took a lot of notes. <laughs> no,
1: I'm so glad. Thank you. I mean, I always, I love these conversations.
2: Yeah.
0: Sarah, you. is there anything we haven't asked you that you'd like to leave our listeners with?
1: I don't think so. I think it's just you know no matter where where you're at in your health journey, it's it's never too late. you know, even if you already have a diagnosis like heart disease um, or you know cognitive impairment, there's so much you can do to actually reverse these things. So it, nobody's ever too far gone. you know, and I've heard people, you know, be told by their doctors, well your disease is too serious, your diet doesn't matter or it doesn't matter what you do with your stress or your sleep. And it's just not true. It's just not true. So I think no matter where you are in your journey, there's always room to heal.
2: And dad, there's always room to get more sleep. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I, here's what I, here's what happens is I, I wake up in the middle of the night and then I worry about not getting enough sleep.
1: Right. <laughs> so common. Don't and look at the clock. I'm sure
0: you hear that a lot. So I'm going to yeah. take your sleep guide and I'm honestly going to take it to heart because I know it's it truly is one of my weak links in okay. my in my life to give myself permission. For me it's when you I I love that when the red light or the red light the the real light came on when you said sleep starts when you wake up and how you are all day long. That's a game changer for me and it's really about learning to let go all day long. Uh you can't just automatically shut it off at night you just you have to watch how you how I carry uh the responsibilities of life all day so uh, I it was a very fascinating conversation as always Sarah
2: thank you, we, nice always, to talk um, to you we always uh, end our episode Sarah with uh, what are you grateful for so we'll start dad what's what are you grateful for this week dad
0: well I'm grateful for this conversation right now and I'm grateful to have a daughter who's interested in meeting some of the amazing people that I meet in my work. The best part of my work that I am so grateful for are the incredible conscious people that I come across. And I'm grateful for a daughter that is interested in meeting the people that have impacted my life. And I'm grateful that you're open to having this conversation, Haley. And I'm grateful for this this conversation today. Sarah, thank you for your presence and for your insights. I'm very grateful for that today.
2: I'm grateful for that too, Sarah. Like, and, and I'm really grateful to hear, um, like I just to, that there, there are individuals like you who are out there, you know, working with the healthcare system and in support of the healthcare system and, um, you know, to, to find these, these solutions for, for these people, instead of sending somebody to one expert and then another expert. And it just, it's just, um, it's really nice to know that there are these people out there to help. So I'm really grateful for that. And, um, you know, to, for these opportunities to be able to talk to you and, and you dad every week. And I just, I just love learning from such wonderful people. So what are you grateful for, Sarah? You don't have to say us, even though that's what my dad and I just said, it can be something to us, like, you know, your family or something, you know, well, <laughs> whatever. i <am> grateful <laughs> for my yeah. family. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what
1: though, I, David, you've had such a big impact on my life. So I think I met you four years ago, maybe it's been a while, but, um, you really did. I think you gave me the allowance I needed to make this my own. Because what I do is so different from conventional medicine. I mean, I spend so much time with my patients, I coach them, I, you know, gosh, I even sometimes do mindfulness work involving horses, like it, it just looks so so different than how I started. And what I do is so authentic to me. Um, and I don't know that I would have gotten here without your influence so I just I really am appreciative of the work that you do and how lovely you are and your entire family everybody I've met has been incredibly lovely as well so it's been a real blessing to have you in my life and I'm grateful to meet you today Haley oh thanks
0: that's that's beautiful Sarah and I it just brings me such joy to see I know how you've struggled over the last few years to, because you haven't wanted to diminish or downplay the importance of conventional medicine, but you've always had this vision, since I've known you at least, to create mm. something that is really meaningful for you, that you can integrate you know, what you've learned about conventional medicine with what you've learned about integrative medicine, and again, integrate all that together. And it, that's what my life is about, is to see that come to fruition for people who have the courage and, through their consciousness and insight to do that. And and uh, so thanks. Thanks for all that, Sarah. Yeah,
1: thank you. I'm very grateful.
0: All right, everybody. Well, thank you for joining us for another episode, and we will see you next time.